Hi, my name is Kai Shea, your host of Budding Taste. This is a podcast dedicated to examining diet and nutrition of everyday people from a cultural, historical, and culinary perspective. If you're curious about how people think about healthy eating and the ways in which it fits into their everyday lives, then this is the podcast for you. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to a new episode of Budding Taste. It is November here in the Northeast. Uh, The weather is much cooler, and we are heading into my favorite holiday, Thanksgiving. I know that many of you are making preparations to be with your friends and families, and I'm always interested in Thanksgiving food traditions. So I'm thinking about you guys um, wherever you're celebrating Thanksgiving. So for this episode, I'm actually interviewing two people. I've never interviewed two people before, but I think it went pretty okay. Uh, so our guests are Ernie and Mariah. Uh, they are a couple and that who actually met in New York, um, but they are originally from the South Pacific. They are going to speak to us from their, where they live now, which is Hilo, Hawaii. Um, and they will tell us about growing up in Hawaii, uh, the business that they run, which is a poke shop, and I think many of us enjoy eating poke these days, um, and then share with us ideas of healthy eating from their cultural backgrounds uh, and what the food culture in Hawaii is like. Hawaii is one of my favorite places to visit, um, especially when it's very cold here in the Northeast. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, and if you haven't done so already, follow the show. And again, I hope you all have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Today, I want to uh, welcome husband and wife who is in Hawaii. Today, we have Ernie and Mariah. So welcome to the podcast. Do you guys want to kind of tell us who you are, where you live? Sure. So my name is Mariah Williams, and um, I am the co-owner of Pokey Market here in Hilo, Hawaii, along with my husband. And uh, I am the local girl from Big Island. I was actually born in Anaheim, California, but I have no recollection of it. I um, was raised my whole life in Puna most of, most of the time and, and Hilo area. So a uh, little girl from Puna had to go all the way to uh, New York to meet another local boy. Ernie introduced himself to you. No, oh, I'm Chef Ernie Gray, um, co-owner of Poke Market in Hilo, Hono, Hilo Hawaii. Um, I'm originally from Honolulu, Oahu. Did you say you met in New York? How yeah. did that happen? <laughs> um, I was going to um, culinary school at the Culinary Institute of America. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. Here, here in New York in Hyde Park? Yeah, yeah. In Hyde Park. Yep. Nice. And that's where we met. Yeah. And I was happening. I just had my parents <clears throat> lived there at the time. And I happened to come up to, uh, you know, see what uh, New York had to offer. And there was a particular bar that okay. all the culinary students like to attend. And I happened to be there that night. And he and his roommate was another boy from Hawaii, uh, famed chef, uh, Chef Mark Noguchi. And uh, they, they uh, he was instrumental in introducing us to us that night. Because they walked by my truck and they knew there was like, hey, there's a girl from Hawaii here. So <laughs> they had to, <laughs> and that point, we're like, well, let's try to figure out who it was. And so there's like local stickers on the truck that only someone from Hawaii would notice. Yeah. So you're from the Big Island. Um, 
Puna, Hilo area. And Ernie, you grew up in Honolulu. But you guys um, met in New York. Wow. And how, how long have you guys, how long were you in New York and when did you move back to Hawaii? Collectively, you were, we were both in New York around the same amount of time, six or seven years, something like that. I was, no, I was in New York for three years. Three years. And I was there for yeah. about six or seven at that point. Yeah. Okay. And then when we met, you know, he asked me to move back to uh, to Oahu with him. And so. And, and how big is Hilo? Uh, well, it's the second biggest city in Hawaii. So um, that being said, um, it's not really tourist driven as maybe some of the other uh, towns right. are. So it's definitely much more of a Asian flavor to it, I would say. So usually I like to start these interviews by just okay. having a icebreaker question. Um, basically, what is something you ate today? Um, yeah. My daughter brought home salmon mayo onigiris, which is like a, a salmon musubi. She made a wonderful um, avocado toast with a over easy egg on it. She makes a perfect egg. Yeah. Wow. So your your uh, daughter made you guys breakfast. Interestingly enough, we're, we are intermittent fasters, too. So we, do, we don't eat breakfast often. So we eat around this time. Is your breakfast like a, a typical breakfast or is that more special because today is Saturday? Uh, yeah, my mom was visiting. So, you know, my daughter likes to make her eggs when she's, she's visiting because she's very proud of her eggs. She makes a perfect egg with the cracked pepper, the whole nine. Wow. <laughs> You know, it's funny because when uh, having a, a husband as a chef, a lot of people, they always first thing they say, oh, you must eat well. And I do, but we share a lot of the responsibilities in cooking in our household. Uh, my background is, you know, uh, culturally speaking, I'm, I'm Filipino. He's okay. Japanese. So we do, we both have our different ethnic uh, foods that we cook, you know, very well. Yeah. <laughs> and we always prefer that the other person cooks what they do really well, you know. And tell us about your children. You have one daughter or how old or like do you have other kids with the children? A 25-year-old who lives in Dallas right now. He's a oh, bartender, wow. works in the industry as well. Um, and then my daughter, she's 11, going on 15. Go, 11 going on 15. Um, so she's she's at home with you guys. Um, tell us about uh, Mariah. You grew up on the big island. Uh, you said you're Filipino. Um, Ernie, you said you're Japanese, grew up in Honolulu. Um, what was it? What was uh, eating like in your family? Uh, my whole household is very Japanese okay. style. You know, a lot of rice, a lot of homemade pickles, a lot of fish. My father was a fisherman. Okay. Um, mixed in with like local style, you know, we get all the different cultural um, foods there. Filipino, you know. Chinese, Korean. His mom's an amazing cook, so she's that type of person who, like, she every dish she makes, she's the best at it. Now, is the food like uh, traditional Japanese, or is it kind of like uh, Hawaiian Japanese, whatever it's, that means? It's kind of Hawaiian, but it's more towards traditional. Okay. Yeah, but it, it definitely has um, Hawaiian or local influence in there. Uh, did you, do you speak Japanese at home, or are you like? Oh. Not even, not even. Okay. No job. So, so it's like you're several generations from. You've done what, one generation away? Second generation. Yeah, so second he's Sansei. Yeah. Okay. And my, my older um, aunties did as well. So almost all of your, your mom's siblings, a lot of them are born yeah. in Japan. Yeah. 
So she yeah. was last of the siblings and she was born in Hawaii. So yeah. she was the wow. first. Yeah. My mom comes from a family of 12 kids. Yeah. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah. It's the youngest. So who did the cooking at home? My mom did in my household. Okay. Okay. And, and is it, would you like eat together every day or um, like what, what were the meal structures like? Oh, uh, no, there was always like a fresh pot of rice and we wouldn't, we would, we wouldn't all eat together. It was just kind of like whatever. She'd make a pot of something and okay, it all be a pot of something on the stove ready to eat. Yeah, I think it's worth mentioning that you know, growing up in Honolulu, uh, you know, very much the immigrant story where you have many people living in the same house. Ah, uh, okay. It's not as though it was four people in a dinner table, right? It was okay. many family members who were living in the same house. So when she would cook, she wouldn't just cook for. Her family she was looking for brothers sisters cousins Got it. she may have been watching so in neighborhood children yeah so we had a lot of people coming and going so like i say yeah just something always ready to go yeah so there was a, like always like a big amount of rice a big amount yep. of vegetables a big amount of like huge pot of whatever <laughs> whatever they were making a uh, fresh batch of rice and japanese pickles in the refrigerator Nice. Much got yourself a meal. Um, so it wasn't like uh, dinner time, like all the, everyone came together. Oh, yeah. Did you cook? I did. Okay. Yeah. I, I enjoy cooking from a young age. Um, I like to fish a lot as a young boy, so I'll catch whatever I could, bring it home, and try and fry it up. And nice. I always had a rice ready, so all I needed was rice and some soy sauce and some fried fish. And <laughs> Wow, that, that sounds amazing. Tell me about the fishing. Like, where would you go? Like, is it like you take a pole or would you take a boat? Yeah, take a little pole and, you know, it's nothing uh -huh. big, but, you know, a, a pan-sized fish, you know? Okay. Uh -huh. Just enjoy catching fish and either I'd go with my friends or my parents would take me. You know, from a very young age, I was doing that. What kind of fish would you catch? Um, We call it um jacks. Maybe you guys know it as jacks up there. Maybe some goldfish. Uh -huh. uh, different types of reef fish. Nice. Uh, we get octopus, you know. My dad was also a deep sea fisherman, so he had a big boat, so we'd go out and catch pelagic fish, which is like the tuna, you know, the marlin, snappers and stuff like that. So we always had fish. Well, you go so far out, you don't see land. Now, I don't know if you know this. I, I lived in Samoa for like three and a half years. Oh, wow. And I just remember, uh, I mean, I don't go fishing, but I would go to the fish market. And I miss all the like awesome eas that you can get out in the ocean and buy pretty cheaply at the market. Like I don't, I almost like never buy fish in New York. It's too expensive. <laughs> but I really do missing, um, you know, getting really fresh fish from the South Pacific. Now, um, just just one follow up question: Were there any like um, bond food uh, dishes or uh, food events? From your childhood that kind of sticks out yeah we um um as far as memories like meal meal events for like new years and family parties and stuff we, we my dad always went out and caught a tuna or ahi so we always had sashimi um right. we always had some type of steamed fish like, like a chinese style steamed fish on the table okay yeah because it's good luck to eat fresh fish yeah. or eat fish on new year's yeah. occasion so was there meat in the diet or is it mostly seafood? Yeah, we had meat, pork, um, beef, chicken. Spam. Spam.
Ham, of course. <laughs> sausage. Can you comment on that very quickly about the role of spam in Hawaii? Because our listeners might not know about that. So, yeah, I think they say that we sell more spam per capita in Hawaii than anywhere else in the world. Uh, but it, it really comes back, I believe, to a war efforts when they were trying to keep all meat going to the war effort. And so uh, everybody took it upon their um, right. their uh, duty to eat preserved canned foods. And so that was a canned corned beef, spam, uh, Vienna sausage is another popular one here. I mean, it's just something that just never stops, you know, and, and, and while we all understand it's not good for you, it's, we eat it because it tastes good. <laughs> <laughs> how is it, uh, how do people eat Spam today in Hawaii? We were outside of the home here, yeah. so it's not hard to Spam musubi at the, you know, gas station, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> every, every convenience or gas station sells a Spam musubi. Yeah, and, and and what is a spam matsubi? I think our, our listeners may not know what that is. So it's uh you know just steamed rice with a fried piece of musubi or spam on it, which is you know sometimes people will just fry it straight that way, or they might put a little teriyaki sauce on it. Yeah, no, I, I when I visit Hawaii, that's we wrap it around it. Wrap with nori. Right. So so it's like the rice and the fried spam and maybe with some seasoning. Um, yeah. With the nori, nori, which is sea, dried seaweed, dried uh, seaweed wrapped around it. But yeah, when I'm in Hawaii, sometimes that would be my lunch. <laughs> and I had the uh, almost an, the exact opposite experience from Ernie growing up. My mom, she was a Filipino girl who grew up very poor and was a single mom trying to feed six girls. And so often that meant canned foods for them. And so my mom remembers being sick all the time as a kid. And she directly attributed that to eating canned foods. And so, you know, she grew up in the age of the 60s and became, you know, fascinated with the uh, the healthy food movement uh, and was a part owner of the Omni Boogie in Waikiki for a while. She created a lot of healthy dishes and just went really full on the uh, vegetarian lifestyle, being a whole food eater. So we grew up knowing only whole foods. If we went out to eat pizza, it was like, alfalfa sprouts and pineapple on it was not a good experience for my brother and I were like, no, we'll pass on pizza. Um, okay. <laughs> so we grew up very healthy. And so um, uh-huh. in fact, my mom uh, met uh, and started, uh, you know, partnering with my stepfather, who was a from Kansas City, Missouri, who was used to eating barbecue on a regular basis. And so our, our my brother and I are, are uh, Taste for meat grew dramatically at that point. And <laughs> we we started to expound in our experience. But even still then, we grew up on a farm. So okay. we grew most of our own vegetables. Oh, nice. um, we ate at McDonald's. It was on a field trip with us, high school, uh, things like that, you know. But um, and, and when you were growing up, was it um, like Filipino food or was it? Because my mom was a vegetarian, you know, we okay. rarely eat that type of it was mostly when we went to family get-togethers. Okay. And in my family, when you would get to family get-togethers, it was all the men that cooked in the kitchen. It was not women. It. Probably was different in your household, right? Where mostly a lot of the women were cooking. But in my household, for my my mom's family, it was all the men that cooked. Did Did you cook at all when you were growing up? I couldn't wait to. There was nothing but ingredients in my home, so uh-huh. we had. Uh-huh. Read cookbooks to figure out how to use things. I call people. What's shortening? You know. <laughs> so, uh, 
Uh-huh. We, you know, we were hungry kids growing up and there was, there was never uh, pre-made foods and my parents worked full time. So we were always hungry growing up. So we had to come become self, you know, self-resilient from a very young age. And so, um, now did you guys eat together as a family every day? Was there like a meal ritual? That was really important in my family. You know, they were Catholic upbringing. Felt it was very important to everybody to sit down at the table, say grace, uh-huh. be grateful for the food that you're about to consume, to consume, and no well, wasting. You know, I, I, it's so interesting because I, the few people I interviewed, especially if you were like an immigrant to this country, um, one thing people always say about growing up is which is so different in my opinion about like american kids or like my friends who have kids here which is to say like you can't afford to waste food you can't you can't be picky <laughs> you know <laughs> like you just have to you have to finish your plate which is so di- like my, some of my friends kids here they're they're picky <laughs> like i'm like i'm like i couldn't i was not allowed to be picky <laughs> you know like i had to yeah. <laughs> You know, like I had to, I had to eat what was, you know, put on the table. <laughs> you know, we did have that experience with our daughter, not with my son. My son was, you know, he was 13 years age difference. Um, but oh. with our daughter, she tried to embody the identity of a big picky eater. And I got the best advice from a mutual friend, Meredith, yeah. and changed the language of what you call, call her. So I started instead, it, we would say, um, She's, uh, we're very lucky that Ash is a very uh, adventurous eater. She'll try anything at least once. Okay. And that allowed her to change her behavior of being somebody who at least is going to try it. And she found that she actually liked a lot of things that she was saying no to previously. And so she's, she actually has now become a very adventurous eater. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I'm always happy to hear that. <laughs> And then uh, the next question I always move on to um, is, you know, Ernie, you were in a very Japanese family cooking food. And Mariah, you were vegetarian diet, growing your own food. Were there uh, lessons about nutrition? Were there, uh, did your parents talk about like you should or should not eat certain foods? What's good or bad to eat? Um, Not in my household. We had a lot of canned food. We had packaged food. My mom made our own food. We, we we have a lot of different things to eat at any given time. So yeah, I didn't grow up like that. We had candy, we had soda, whatever. So your parent your your environment was basically, you know, like Mariah, like don't eat meat or don't eat Yeah, no, it it wasn't anything like that. Yeah. My what, what? a little bit more extreme <laughs> yeah. in that, you know, when uh when I lived in Kona on the other side of the island, um we actually lived across the street for, from some, I, I don't know what religion they were, but it was some type <laughs> of cult. They were health, health fanatics. And I remember them showing me pictures of ulcers on the skin that people get from eating hamburgers. And so it was definitely a lot of scare tactics that were going on. Oh, <laughs> you okay. know? I think for me, it did one of two things. It made me very... Um, like I, I have to do my own research right. type of a person um, before I take somebody else's information at, at carte blanche. But um, I think it also made me very conscientious of what my what my diet looked like, right? And uh-huh. so when I first, for example, he was a uh, a diet soda drinker. Uh huh. And okay. my whole thing was like, if you're gonna drink a soda, just drink a soda. You know what I mean? Like. 
I'm, I'm like that. <laughs> I just don't drink a lot of it. Just, you know, and so it was interesting because we, we always find the soda, soda water trend really interesting because we were like, we were on that trend before they ever, <laughs> you know, because what I started doing was making my own syrups okay. uh, with real sugar and then would make him sodas, but then like cut back how much soda syrup was going into it into the point where he was just drinking soda water. And so to this day, he is a, you know, he, he probably supports the entire soda water. <laughs> Aha and Bubbly's franchises. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. So, so growing up, like, did your mom or, you know, was she very uh, health conscious, I guess? And kind of like. Very much a- because she was sickly a lot as a child. And so okay. she really understood that food was how you would heal your body. And so that's something that kind of I've always um, leaned towards. Now, it's interesting because now we're in a day and age where information is so much more available to people. And so not a lot of the, inf- a lot of the information that I grew up knowing is now becoming, you know, available to the masses. And so you're seeing a lot of different um, movements to more healthy eating. Okay. I think it's a lot easier for Ernie to move to a healthier diet, you know, from what he was eating. Right. Um, previously because you know I already had some skill sets as to you know dishes and meals that we could transition to that weren't you know because we don't I don't believe in um uh packaged health food you know it it has to be whole foods I don't believe in making right. vegetables like meat you know it's like vegetables are really good on their own you just gotta like them to what they are <laughs> you yeah. know and, and do you do, do attribute that to um kind of like the your upbringing and the way you hate while you're growing up yeah for sure you know um i i had the benefit of having two great uh parents who were great cooks great with italian food and my mom did you know did filipino really well um and she's a great baker okay uh, so learn from a very young age as to what you know to cook from scratch and nice. so that is kind of like always been uh my mark for healthy eating which is how much of the food that you're eating is didn't come out of the package. And so yeah. even yeah. business owners were really conscientious of how much uh, food that we're putting out there that comes out of a package. We do the we do the vegetables like his mom taught him to make, you know. Oh. We don't offer a soda at our establishment either. Um, we would offer soda drinks if it had real sugar in it, but the costs of, of those beverages have gone so up so extra extraordinarily so since the pandemic that we don't feel like it's something that um, we're comfortable pushing at this point. Now, I think like some people, some listeners, you know, some of our audience members may not have ever been to Hawaii before. Are there any comments you have about, or I guess like, how would you describe food culture in in Hawaii? I think you say something really well about that. I don't know. I think the food culture is very diverse. Here in yeah, here in Hawaii, like we we grew up eating everything: Japanese, Chinese, Filipino, Vietnamese. You know, we we have all the cultural foods here. In, in my mind, our our palates are very educated. You know, and that's what my culinary instructors always told us. You know, oh, you Hawaii kids, you guys are so lucky. You guys grew up eating all these different food cultures. And it's not to say that New York doesn't have a very diverse food culture in itself, but in, you know, it, it, it's very different. It's a different island in the sense that um, you have so many people there that people can just just uh, socialize within their own groups of, of 
known culture. Whereas here, there were so many different cultures that were having needing to interact with each other in the plantations, yeah. Um, yeah. fields and whatnot, that there was a necessity to be able to cohabitate and to uh, cooperate with each other. And food was a, a big way that we learned to cooperate with each other, right? Sharing. Yeah. So it's a very direct line to experience those cultures. So, you know, so, you know, when you're kids, you play with the Hawaiian kids or you sleep over your, your other friends, maybe Chinese. So, you know, when you go to these houses and you spend time with them, you know, you have to eat their food, right? Mm-hmm. Hawaiian friends, Chinese friends, Filipino friends, and, that's how you experience it. It's, it's, it's there. You're willing to eat anything. Yeah. So, you know, you don't question a lot of things that there's someone willing to feed you. When I was living in New York, you know, working in an office, if I ate something that was culturally indigenous, you might hear, a, oh, my God, what is that smell? <laughs> and so, uh, you know, that is something culturally we wouldn't do in Hawaii. Right. We would say, oh, what is that? <laughs> I think that when growing up in such close quarters uh, that you, you um, have to learn to cooperate and enjoy the nuances right. of each other's cultures. And so I think that's, we like to say in Hawaii, um, where some other people might describe their, their food culture as a, as a salad, you know, a, a, a tossed green salad with right. its dis- flavors and whatnot. We like to say we're more like a beef stew in Hawaii. Okay. Where all other ingredients kind of come together and meld and makes its own gravy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, now, now, um, you mentioned that, you know, there's the native Hawaiians and then we have other groups of people like the Japanese and the Chinese and the Filipino. Um, how, how did they get to the island? Like what is kind of the historical historical context of these different groups of people? I almost like to work on the plantations, right? You know, they had okay. the plantations, sugarcane plantations, um, which required a lot of numbers. And um, because with the new diseases that were being introduced to Hawaii that they never experienced and it decimated the Hawaiian numbers. Right. And so they didn't have people to work the fields. And right. so they had to look for people from outside of Hawaii. I think one of the things that um, comes to mind, which people on the, on, you know, the continental U.S. might recognize is the dole, dole pineapples and all, all of that agriculture production was in Hawaii and the different groups of people went to Hawaii to, to support that industry. Cool. So as a first time visitor to Hawaii, what are some foods you recommend people to try? Right off the bat, poke, obviously, right? Yeah. It's, the first, it's the number one food trending item across the, the world. Still. Yes. And yeah. it's going to be very different from what they're experiencing, wherever they're coming from. I would say, I would say, come with an open mind and experience it like how we experience it here because it's where poke is from. You guys own a poke shop in downtown Hilo. How did like how did you come up with the business site? Tell us a little bit about your business and what kind of poke is offered at your business. Well, we offer a variety of pokes. Um, I like to build my poke base up from traditionally, you know, how it's prepared and made and how the fish is cared for. Uh-huh. That's, it's really a reflection of his upbringing. Yeah as well as his training as a chef and experience working with Nobu and different okay. places in Hawaii. Yeah, so my flavor profile definitely leans towards the Japanese style. But- and, and just describe poke quickly, because people, look, I mean, I think everyone knows poke, but some people might not know what poke is. Poke is uh, raw fish and to slice. 
you, it, it should be raw and it should be a fish. It shouldn't be a chicken or a, a cooked piece of fish or, you know, something like that. And it should have a stone. It should have a type of seaweed. Yeah, traditionally, poke was something that they made um, with a lot of reef fish yeah. okay. and with whatever ingredients they had on, on hand. But I think that it's been, you know, as, as time gone, goes on, that they started to really enjoy the flavor of ahi with poke. So that seems to be the most popular fish that they use for poke. But poke uh, could be any, you know, reef fish. It's great on ono, marlin. We love marlin poke, taco poke, you know, but... Um, we even do ulu poke at our place from time to time when yeah. it's, it's available. Ulu is a breadfruit, yeah. I love but breadfruit. Poke should be a fish, a salt, and a, sea, and a type of seaweed. Cool. I, I love breadfruit. I love ulu. Oh, yeah. um, that's one of the things that I do not find in New York. I mean, I could probably find it at like one of the local markets geared towards like people from the Caribbean, but I breadfruit is hard to and ulu is hawaiian for breadfruit um mm-hmm. and i i just think it's so delicious I, I wish i wish we had that here well you know i think that there's an initiative to change that uh uh-huh. you know we that indigenous foods uh can, is what can heal the world you know uh wisdom in the foods that our our ancestors ate the story of mutiny on the bounty all was due to the ulu yeah <laughs> so- uh, there is a the Ulu Co-op here, which they partner with a lot of different uh, Ulu uh, farmers, uh, especially here on the Big Island, who are looking to uh, increase the production and availability of Ulu. They flash freeze it um, at different various stages. Uh, uh, you know, it's something that you don't need to uh, till the soil. It you know produces year to year. Uh, not something. I, I think it, it's historically there's a lot of things that. Uh, we did wrong in our in transitions from going from a, a traditional background to being more modernized. And a lot of that was uh, shaming people for eating indigenous foods, shaming people for doing indigenous um, practices. And so people felt like if you were eating that way or living that way, you know, practicing that way, that you were um, somehow couldn't afford to do better. And so there was a lot of a stigma that was placed on some of this, like, oh, I had to eat that every day growing up, you know. And so now that they're adults, something like a poverty food that they don't want to eat. But, you know, it's something that I think they're really trying to make a change with us. And I think a lot of it has to do with our identity as well. Culture of the whole whole Hawaii Island, you know, it's being able to celebrate these things that make us unique. Yeah, no, food is such a deep part of our identity history or the erasure of history or you know the resurgence of history cool so so if you go to hawaii you should try poke i think people should try matsubi the spam matsubi but they should try breadfruit or ulu um what else should they try lao 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 and what what is lao 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 is a it's meat and uh a fat that's been wrapped in leaves of the taro, taro okay. plant and wrapped in the tea leaf and then steamed. Yeah, so very just traditional style food preparation. Yeah, and you mentioned taro. Can you say a little bit about the role of taro in Hawaii? Well, it's kind of like uh, Hawaii's version of their, their origin plant, right? It's uh-huh. pa, you know, yeah. the breath of life. It's everything stems from pa. Yeah. 
But um, I think that the, uh, there's a story is is much very similar to the uh, I think the Aztec story of the corn. Okay. Uh, being that it was actually brothers or something like that, but I, I don't know. Don't quote us on it because I don't know the I can't remember the exact story about the, the tarot, but it is something that is significantly important to people here. It is you know it's it's a life giving plant. So so tarot is a foundational plant, similar to how corn is to to the Aztecs. Yes, it's something that's how they fed their millions of inhabitants in the Hawaii Islands, you know, yeah. and, and adhering to a strict kapu system related to the care of whatever they, whatever they were responsible for. Cool. And so so try tarot or things made with tarot. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I really enjoy the tarot when I'm there, which thankfully I can get tarot here. Cool. Now, um, I guess you're grown, you have... You know, you have a grown kid and you have a kid who's, a, you know, almost a teenager. Ha has uh, eating shifted? Ideas of healthy eating, like, are you doing it differently um, or similarly than compared to when you were growing up? Yeah. Oh, we love to eat, like, when we first met. <laughs> yeah. When we first met, we were like, ooh, this is going to be dangerous because we both love to eat. So, um, you know, but now that we're in our older ages, you know, that's... Uh, you have to increase your activity and because Ernie's in his fifties. I'm, I'm just about to turn 50. We, you know, he, he serves almost every day so he can afford the extra calories. Nice. nice. I, I can't. <laughs> so, you know, I have to be a little bit more thought, thoughtful about where I put my calories. So, you know, I don't eat until lunchtime, usually on a regular basis. Okay. Um, and that's become kind of a norm for everybody in our household, just because I'm not, you know, I'm not cooking breakfast. So, so everybody's got to fend them for themselves until it's lunchtime. Um, and that's just easy for everybody to do. Um, we're big believers in the ability for the body to heal itself. Um, but, you know, understanding that if the body is always having to operate all the time, that it doesn't have the energy to heal, if it's always trying to do something like digest food and whatnot. So giving our body the enough time to um, be at rest so it has time to do other things by intermittent fasting yeah um, so intermittent fasting um trying to cut out the sugars and carbs you know but that's not all you know yeah we also do 51 percent raw yeah. try to eat more 51 percent raw at every meal so really yeah. increase the amount of vegetables that we which is not much different from when i was growing up but when i was growing up there was a salad at every meal and yeah. so it was yeah. somebody's job to make the salad and um, it became something that just, you know, kind of fell to the, you know, the side when I, when you're living alone and you're like this, a single mom, you know, it's like, you can't balance for just yourself. Yeah. And it really became something that, you know, we were able to partner with each other because okay. we can both go for, uh, you know, a filet of fish just as much as we can go for a healthy, you know, salad and do try to eat more locally produced foods. We do believe in the health efficacy of eating locally, not just uh, locally for our health reasons, but for economic health reasons. Yeah. You know, we believe that it's important to be part of the system that we live in and to support um, healthy lifestyles. If we want, you know, that option to be available to us, we got to support it. And so trying to make sure that we're local Farmers as much as possible, local business as much as possible. Do you, do you, are you guys cooking at home? Like even though you run the the poke shop for a living, do you guys also cook at home? We do. You know, we're we're like a, an average couple, though. You know, we get tired, we fall behind. We've got 
a meal that needs to be prepped and, and made, but we're, we've been exhausted for the day. So we don't like, we kind of try not to kick ourselves when we're down, so to speak. Uh, instead, yeah. you know, we have to make sure that when we're hungry, we're supporting something that we feel good about. Uh, I don't like to be the person who eats and has bad negative thoughts about the food that I'm eating. I'm just going to enjoy it, you know? Yeah, and I so yeah, food is meant to be enjoyed <laughs> and experienced. Yeah, no, and I, I mean, like, that's what food is for. It's for identity. It's for pleasure. Uh, you know, growing up, uh, definitely growing up poor, um, it really impacted uh, how I experience food, uh, and so it is definitely one of the ways that we sh we share a love language, right? Because having food and and being able to share it was a luxury oftentimes, and so now do you guys eat poke? <laughs> we do. We like to eat other people's poke. Okay. <laughs> You know, it's it's always like, you know, the person who works at the restaurant, do they like want to eat the food at the restaurant kind of question? <laughs> oh, yeah, I like, I like going out and eating other people's poke because I got to taste mine every day. So, right. <laughs> I think the kind of last part is always, you know, are there any interesting cookbooks or TV shows or magazines or, you know, anything that you guys really enjoy watching or reading or you know, maybe a podcast like anything like that you want to share with the listeners um i like watching a lot of stuff on youtube it'd be just anything about poke fish or sushi so so i watch a lot of that stuff but yeah you can just get so much information on youtube you know some of it some of it is funny some of it is you know i, I actually watch a lot of youtube also <laughs> <So> <laughs> I like subscribe to YouTube channels that and like I like watching like the different sometimes like I'm bored I just like go on YouTube and I can get stuck there for a while are there any like specific channels that um off the top of your head that I love like, bong appetit bong appetit okay I don't know bong appetit bong appetit okay I find that to be a fascinating show because it's all related to like having a a completely different experience. Um, and I just find it interesting. It's something completely different. That's what anybody else is doing right now. So it's kind of an interesting conversation topic of uh, how how to play with food differently. And what about you, Arnie? Do you have any channels that... I can't name any off the top of my head, but anything like sushi related. But, you know, we also find that sometimes we can be very food snobs. <laughs> you know, if you're like, <laughs> did you see the technique on it? <laughs> <laughs> So it's interesting. We get to be voyeurs as well, you know. Um, one thing that I think it's fun to watch YouTube is like, you know, you watch something, you're like, I think I can do that. I got the ingredients, you know, and pop it up, you know, like, here we go. I yeah. think that's kind of fun. You know, um, when I lived in New York, I remember there was this chef that used to do a show, I think on the PBS channel, um, where he would go to some local high-end restaurant in the city and then go home and recreate the um, the meal at home in his, in his own Oh, interesting. Kitchen. Okay. I kind of feel like that's what I try to do with your YouTube channel. Let me see if I can do it on myself. You know, it's. Oh, I, here's a question. Um, do you have a favorite uh, place to eat in Hawaii or in Hilo specifically? Like, do you have any like favorite restaurants? We stayed in one, two, three. Yeah. yeah. One, two, three. Moon, Moon and Turtle. And turtle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're a little biased. Moon and Turtle is a, um, a local restaurant. It's a, one of our only scratch restaurants that we have in Hilo side. Okay. Uh, 
say bias because, you know, the chef is a personal friend of ours, but also a friend because he is, you know, someone in the industry that they, they uh, have worked in uh, similar restaurants. They were both at Nobu in New York, maybe at different locations, but uh, in New York at the same time. So they understand what the, each other has had to go through and understands the difficulty of the work and the respect that goes with that. And so, right. but he's the kitchen here uh, that they strive to be seasonal, strive to be local. Nice. Uh, they make house or if it's not made in house, it is locally sourced as much as possible. Outside of that, I would say pie in Honolulu. It's also another place we like to eat. P-A-I. P-A-I. Okay. Okay. But yeah, if you're def if you're Hilo, definitely Moon and Turtle. Yeah, I'm I'm overdue for a visit again. When we go to Moon and Turtle, we order one of everything on the menu. Okay, <laughs> it's worth it. <laughs> you you will go home stuck, but it's worth it. Okay, well, um, thank you very much for sharing with us your growing up in Hawaii. Um, the different journeys you took. I, I'm, 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 I can't believe how much of a connection there was to New York. You know? um, and, you know, like it's sort of uh, cool to, to have that connection. Um, okay, so uh, thank, thank you again for being on the podcast. Uh, I will have show notes with links to some of the things we talked about for our listeners. Thanks um, for having me. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you.